0: Please be advised that this episode contains names and representations of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. This episode includes depictions of graphic violence, implications of sexual assault, and brief discussion of colonization and genocide. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any one story of Bali Yang. Today's episode combines features from a number of Kulin and Gunai Kurnai legends for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from ParCast. This week we move into a deep cave in a dark forest. Chittering fills the air, then the flapping of wings. Small, sharp white teeth glisten with saliva. For the next month, we'll be spending time with one of humanity's most feared creatures, bats. In Australia, the so-called ghost bat has been using its sharp teeth and nearly translucent wings to incite terror for thousands of years. But wait until you meet his predecessor, Balayang, a bat god who will do anything to keep a wife. This is Mythical Monsters Bats. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Coming up, Balayang makes a proposal you can't refuse.
1: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness.
0: For today's episode, the word mythical is a complicated one because the Aboriginal Australian bat deity Baliyong is part of the dreaming. Many say there are no words outside Aboriginal culture to describe the dreaming. It is the ancestral past, a place of stories, fables and songs. It is also the present, a living, ever-changing landscape. The dreaming is additionally the future, what the world could be and will become. Anthropologist and Aboriginal rights advocate W.E.H. Stanner highlighted this cultural concept of time. He wrote that he couldn't find a word in any Aboriginal dialect that reflected the British colonizer's notion of linear time. Baliyong appears in the dreaming traditions of the Kulin and Gunai-Kurani nations, two Aboriginal Australian groups from an area that now lies within the state of Victoria. In the dreaming, whatever pain a figure inflicts happened both long ago and right now. So as one story tells it, Balayang the bat has caused, will cause, and is causing a great deal of suffering. Especially when he goes looking for a wife. Swan and Hawk had been flying all day, looking for a safe place to call their own. Finally, they found it. Swan shook out her shimmering black feathers as she descended to the sandy beach below. Her webbed feet spread and divided into 10 brown toes. Golden Hour framed their lithe silhouettes against the setting sun. Swan groaned to Hawk, I hate wrens and jays, always demanding we fly off with them, can't they understand we don't want them? Hawk shrugged. The truth was, the male birds may not have been able to understand. Swan sighed. I don't think our opinion matters to them. If it did, they would understand that we're together, and nothing they can say will break us apart. Hawk pushed her long dark hair behind her and took a few more steps inland. Though she was a fishing bird, she was not particularly fond of the water. Or of fishing. Swan laughed at her. (laughs) A squeamish seabird. You're very silly, you know that? Hawk grumbled to herself. I just don't want to be covered in blood tonight. Swan corrected her you never want to be covered in blood. Hawk bobbed her head. I just don't like the sensation. Who would? Swan raised an eyebrow. All the other meat-eating creatures in the world? Hawk refused to dignify that with a response. I wish I could eat plants like you, much neater and less effort. Swan smirked. Perhaps, but that is not the part you play in this world. The dark is coming, go get your dinner. Hawk sighed and prepared to take to the air again, but then she heard a voice beside her, deep with a strange, unmistakable squeak. You needn't worry about that, pretty Hawk. Hunting is men's work. The two birds turned slowly. At first, he looked like a crow, gangly and black, But then Hawk realized that was only the shadows around him. His fur was pale white and gray, his wings nearly translucent, his ears stuck up from his head, his eyes were darker than the night itself. She'd heard the terrible stories about him. Balayong, the bat. Hawk's golden eyes met Swan's brown ones, Baliyong was not like his noble brother, the Eagle Bunjil. He thought only of himself and those he felt belonged to him, and his belongings had no say in the matter. Hawk and Swan needed to flee, but night was already descending on them with a blanket of stars. Swan steadied her voice as subtly as she could. Hawk can manage. We always do. Balayang cocked his head to the side, he let out a high-pitched tutting sound. Hawk felt an unseen wave of sound move through her body. It shook each fiber of her being, but it didn't hurt, not until she tried to pull away. The more she moved, the louder and sharper the buzzing became. Tugging at her, then tearing, she stopped fighting, and the pain ebbed. The bat smiled, revealing jaws filled with glistening white teeth. Do you know who I am? He asked. Hawk didn't know what to say, so Swan spoke first. Balayang the bat. Balayang offered a squeaky and satisfied laugh. Yes, and who am I to you? Now even Swan was confused. I don't understand. Bala Young folded and unfolded his transparent wings. You know. Don't lie. Swan was always the more composed of the two, but she struggled now. She didn't know what answer to give him. You are our father, yes? You found women when you were playing in the mud. If Swan was honest with herself, she wasn't that impressed. It seemed like he hadn't even done it on purpose. Baliyong’s wings wiggled as if he was clapping. Yes, I found you, but that is not who I am to you now. Try again. Uncle, Hawk ventured. Baleong shook his head. Cousin, Swan suggested. Baleong shook his head again. Hawk bit down on her lip. She knew where he was going and didn't want to say it but Bali Yang's pitch black eyes were fixed on her. That echo and vibration moved through her like a chill in the outback night. What is left? He asked. He let out another squeaking laugh before she could answer, then another. Another, Hawk's head began to hurt. Swan was only a few feet from her, but they were too far apart to hold hands. Swan wordlessly pleaded with Hawk, resist, come on, Hawk, resist. But it hurt, it hurt so much that Hawk was certain she would die. She knew what she had to say to make it stop. Husband, yes, husband is what is left. Baliyong wiggled happily again. Exactly. I'm glad we got that settled. And it did feel settled. His certainty was frightening. My two beautiful, obedient wives, Ballyang said, malice glittering in his eyes. I will go hunt some kangaroos for us. Stay here, and when I return, we'll build our happy home. And it will be happy. He let out another squeak and took flight. Hawk and Swan held their breath until they couldn't hear him any longer. When the coast was clear, Swan ran to Hawk and held her tight. Hawk cried into her arms. I'm sorry. I panicked. Swan stroked her hair. It's all right. I wouldn't have lasted much longer either. Hawk wiped away her tears. What was that squeaking? Swan shivered. I don't know. It felt like I couldn't move. Like a white-hot iron was searing my brain. We can't give him another chance to hurt us. We have to go. Now. Hawk nodded. They both turned inland to search for an escape, but the moonlight didn't reach the ground. There was nothing but shadows beyond the dunes. They couldn't see in the dark. Balayang could, he was certain to find them. Hawk's voice quivered. What do we do? Swan's eyes darted to and fro. We can't stay and be his wives. We'll never know a day without pain, without freedom, again. So we run, even if it means death, we run." A shape slid through the night, just out of the corner of her eye. Swan jerked her head around, searching. Then she smelled rotten, wet breath. She couldn't help it. She froze. Balayang stood inches from her face. She wasn't sure how it happened, but he was there, inhaling her, watching the rise and fall of her chest. Hawk whimpered, Please, let us go. Ballyong licked his lips, his wings shivered with anticipation. They all say that at first, but you'll learn. Coming up, Bali Young tightens
2: his grip
0: on Swan and Hawk.
2: Hi, I'm Christine Schiefer, And I'm M. Schultz. We're the hosts of Rituals, the new Spotify original from Parcast. If you've heard our podcast and that's what we drink, you know we are no strangers to true crime and the paranormal. We're also into the occult uh, to chat about. Not to join, but, you know, to, to learn and educate. Every Monday on Rituals, we're journeying through mystifying stories of sorcery, alchemy, Satanism, and more, and trying to determine if the dark arts of the past impact us today. Like weather witches? Who were they? Or the Fountain of Youth? Address, please. (laughs) Don't forget about werewolf trials, Em. Objection, Christine. Let's not give too much away. And instead, let's tell everyone to follow our new podcast, Rituals, free and only on Spotify.
0: Now, back to the story. Ballyang stood before Swan and Hawk with bloody lips. He dragged the carcass of a kangaroo behind him. He forced them to build a fire, then tossed the corpse at the two birds' feet. Cook, he said. Hawk could tell that Swan wanted to resist, but neither of them knew how to handle the strange effect of his squeaking. Right now, they could only play along. Hawk approached the kangaroo carefully. Hawk ate fish and small rodents, never something this large. Even then, she hated the blood. He couldn't really expect her to tear this thing apart and cook it, could he? Yang made no indication either way. Instead, he only added, Keep the bones. He went back to watching the two birds' movements, clearly enjoying even the slightest bend of their bodies. Hawk leaned close to the kangaroo and started to peck. The metallic tinge of blood flooded her nostrils. She gagged but pushed on. She could feel Swan watching her. She needed to be strong. She needed to pretend it was a fish. Just a fish. Hawk could tolerate fish. They were the pleasant kind of slimy. Their flesh flaked in your mouth and their bones crunched and popped on the way down. But this was no fish. Hawk tore the flesh free in even strips, starting with the kangaroo's powerful legs. She removed each layer of muscle until she exposed a blood-soaked bone. Bring that to me! Baliang said. The folds of skin around his nose twitched. Hawk hesitated. The bile rose in her throat at the sight of the kangaroo's exposed femur. Bring it to me, Baleong barked. The painful wave and echo moved through Hawk's body again. She tore the tendons and ligaments with her beak, dragging the bone free. Then she laid it at his feet. Baliyong smiled. What a good wife you are, Hawk. Come here, Swan, sit by me. Swan seethed as she moved slowly towards him. Hawk tensed. She hated the way Baliyong looked at Swan, like she was prey. Baliyong leaned forward to loop his wing around Swan's tense form, drawing her closer to him. What a lovely long neck you have. Swan avoided his gaze. She stared at Hawk instead. Young squeaked again. Swan, look at me. Swan shook with pain. The squeak and echo was doing its work. Hawk sounded as subservient as she could. Please, Young, husband, you're hurting her. Young let out another earth-shaking laugh. She's hurting herself. Beautiful creatures often do when there's work to be done, but I won't let her turn you into a servant. We are all equals here, you see. He thought for a moment, sliding his fingers up and down Swan's throat. Except for me, of course, because I'm me. Hawk nodded as if this was obvious, but seeing him touch Swan was torture. She needed to make it stop, but she wasn't sure how, but she had to try something. Will you tell us a story, husband, while I work? I'm sure you have the most wonderful stories. Bollyong preened. Of course I do. What shall I tell? Hmm, I won't tell you of my other wives. That wouldn't be fair. I know, I will tell you a tale of my brother, brutal monster that he is. Ha couldn't imagine Bunjil the Eagle as anything other than gentle and kind, but she would take any lie, song or story that would remove Baliang's long fingers from Swan's throat. Baliyong leaned back as he spoke, setting the scene. Bunjil has always been a show-off, especially when he doesn't actually have anything to be proud of. He made a desert, filled it with snakes, crocodiles, and poisonous insects, then expected me to live there. I refused, because I have taste. Hawk made sure to nod gracefully. Baliang continued... So the coward sends two of his little minions to punish me, me, his very own brother. They set fire to my home, my family, my children. My world was covered in ash. It took me months to escape the soot. Sometimes I wake to find a whole new layer of black powder clinging to me. He shuddered, eyes haunted. Hawk would have felt sorry for him if he wasn't running his thumb along Swan's collarbone. She tore her eyes away and concentrated on bringing the kangaroo flesh to the fire. Balayong raised his voice. No, clean the other leg first. I need the bones. Hawk didn't understand why he was so obsessed with the bones. Then again, she didn't seem to understand anything about Bollyong. She didn't know what he was after. She returned to the corpse, turned it over, and started working on the other leg. She nearly vomited, but she finally got it free and brought it to Bollyong. Good. You may return to cooking, he said. He finally let go of Swan's neck. A long knife appeared in his hand and he began carving the bones. Hawk glanced at Swan, wondering if they should run for it, but Swan wouldn't look at her. They stayed like that for a few minutes, Baliyong whittling, Swan standing frozen, and Hawk trying to figure out how to fix it. The passing moments were punctuated by the click-clack of the bones. Then Balayong stopped, He eyed the campfire. Small strips of meat were already laid out for eating. Feed me. Hawk suppressed her gag reflex and nodded. She collected the meat and brought it to him. Then she turned back around to return to the fire. She was passing by Swan when she felt it. Something sharp between her shoulder blades. She cried out, but Swan couldn't save her. A jagged piece of kangaroo bone pierced her wings and ran through her chest, clear through to the other side. The force of it pushed her face down, driving the bone into the ground. She was pinned. Coming up, Hawk must tear herself apart to defeat Balayong
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
0: Now back to the story. Hawk tried to get to her feet, but the pain stopped her at her knees. She stared down at the jagged white shard sticking out of her chest. The other end was buried deep in the ground. Yang had sharpened the leg bones of the kangaroo to fine points. Then he'd run Swan and Hawk through, pinning their wings so they could not flee. Blood spilled from Hawk's mouth. She tried to move, but every breath felt like a new knife in her ribs. She was dying. Swan was dying and they both knew it. Swan mouthed her apologies. Hawk felt like she should be devastated or wrathful, but her voice was icy calm. Why did you do that? Bollyong stopped squeaking. He stared at her. As he spoke, Hawk realized he was using his own version of logic. You are wives and you are women, but you are also birds. I can't let you fly away. So you figured you'd kill us? Baleong tilted his head in confusion. Not kill, pin. As long as those carved kangaroo bones remain inside you, you will live. That promise was not as comforting as Baliyong thought, but it was information that Hawk could use. Hawk had an idea, a bloody, perfect idea. She rocked back and forth. Each twist of her body tore the hole in her abdomen a little wider. She winced at each slide, but she kept going. Balayang rose up on his squat bat legs. What are you doing? Hawk didn't answer him. With a final gasp, she wrenched the pinning bone free of the ground. Hawk whimpered, but she knew she didn't have time for pain. She grabbed the slick, sharp bone and pulled. With a sickening ripping noise, the bone slid out. Hawk was free. Baliong took to the skies in the same instant, launching himself at her. Hawk rolled out of the way, landing right beside what she'd been looking for, the fire. She grabbed one of the blazing bits of driftwood and swung it upwards as Baliyong came around for another pass. The bat screeched and cried, wheeling away as the fire burned his feet. She crowed mockingly. What, scared of a little soot? Baliyong let out a rage-filled squeak. A strange sound carried to her ears, part giggle, part tears. Swan was laughing. Each guffaw tore her chest even further. Hawk rushed over. Wait, wait, I've got you. She squeezed Swan's shoulders, holding her steady as Swan pulled the spear free. Swan blinked at her dazed as Balayang came around again. What do we do? Hawk looked down at her makeshift torch. It already sputtered in her hand. It wouldn't keep the monster at bay for long. You said we need to run. Let's run. Swan looked out at the dunes. But we can't see out there. He'll follow us. Hawk gave her a beleaguered smile. She turned towards the ocean. So let's go that way. We'll get farther than he can. Swan swallowed. And if we die, when we die, without the bones we'll bleed out. Hawk shrugged. It hurt. Uh, At least we're not his. The darkness belongs to him, but the water is ours, right? Swan nodded slowly. Right, right, let's go. Swan unfurled her wide, black wings. Baleong shrieked as Swan and Hawk launched into the air. Baliyong sped towards Hawk, screaming, fangs bared, ears twitching with rage. Hawk turned and faced him. He was larger, but she was faster. Her talons raked across his body. Baliyong screamed as she wheeled away from him to join Swan. Each beat of her wings made her bleed even more. She could feel the life flowing out of her. But when she turned to Swan, all she felt was joy. They had tricked him, and the sun was about to rise. It isn't known when they fell into the sea, or if they did at all. Maybe Baliyong found them, or they found a new home free to live their lives together. In the Dreamtime, Hawk and Swan were flying, will be flying, and are flying away even now. Their escape is the only hope they have before darkness falls, and Balayang's night begins again. The story of Baliyong’s forced marriage to the swan and hawk maidens is one of only a few surviving stories about him. Like this tale, others cast Baliyong as a character who uses deception as a tool. Though not always for evil, another tale of Baliyong’s secrets involves him and his mother-in-law, Both of them have lost their partners, and according to their customs, neither of them can see each other. She is not allowed to hunt, and he is not allowed to gather. But Baliang sees a way around these rules. He leaves game for his mother-in-law after dark, so she won't see him, and she leaves him fruit and vegetables in return. Baliyong’s full complexity, unfortunately, has been lost, along with many of the tales that told his story, thanks to the centuries-long assault on Aboriginal culture by British settlers. From the first time the colonizers stepped foot on Australian shores, they enslaved First Nations people, stole their land, and murdered them. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, Australian authorities forcibly removed Aboriginal children from their parents' care. The stolen children were allowed to return to Aboriginal reservations when they turned 18, but they were often taken at such a young age that they didn't even know who their parents were. The government forced these stolen generations to lose many aspects of their culture, including stories of Baliyong, which has a strange kind of resonance. Like lost knowledge, Baliyong likes to hide in the shadows. But that doesn't mean he isn't there. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with another episode. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil De Ritter and Jen Roche, with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson.
2: Werewolves, witches, and Arthur Conan Doyle Oh, my! Sounds like fascinating topics to discuss on our new show, Rituals, Christine. You know what, Em? It sure does. Every Monday on Rituals, join us as we explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, this is the perfect pairing for you. And if you haven't, go give us a try. Follow our Spotify original from Parcast, Rituals. Listen free only on Spotify.